Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Ability Podcast. My name is Jacob Holt. I first got the idea for this podcast a few years ago. I met a young woman who was blind. She had been blind most of her life, and I had never met someone who was blind. And it really changed the way that I perceived the world. I had never given a second thought to what life was like being blind. And it was life-changing. I now see the struggles and the challenges and the pain and the world that you live in if you can't see. And I feel like this podcast can add to that, to share the stories of people so we can all have a little more understanding of each other. I've been bound to a wheelchair my entire life, and most people don't know what it's like to be in a wheelchair. And I don't blame them for that. But I think that it's time that we can all learn, that we all have access to the internet, and we can share with each other. Without further ado, the first guest in this episode is Destiny Dyer. She's a lifelong friend of mine, and she was gracious enough to do the first episode. So without further ado, let's jump right in. So how you been doing? I'm good, I guess. I don't know. Falling apart slowly. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Aren't we all just falling apart a little slowly? Yeah, but I think I'm faster than the average human, you know. Fair enough. I mean, you know, everybody dies, I suppose. <laughs> We're just going to hope that's not soon, you know. Yeah, you, you know. We're just going to go to a million doctors. You know, the only question is when. <laughs> Pretty much. Not if. Not if, but when, you know. So, me and you have known each other for a long time. We both have osteogenesis imperfecta. You want to share, share with me in your own words what you think, you know, about it questions and words and things osteogenesis imperfecta first of all we need a shorter name for that <laughs> because it's way too long and doctors can't even pronounce it half the time um it's i don't know i tend to call it a blessing and a curse all at the same time i'll either break or i'll be fine and uh, yeah, i don't know breaking isn't the only thing that comes with it though but most people think it is Mine's my lungs, my back, you know, everything's affected in some general way. Yeah, you know, your lungs, your back, your hearing, your sight, you know. We gotta go to a whole team of doctors and hope they can yeah. glue us back together. I mean, it even affects your teeth, which always blows people away from me. You know, it always surprises people, like, your teeth are even affected? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, your teeth are bones, just like any other bone in your body. Well, I've broken eating a chicken nugget. I broke my tooth doing that. I, I was looking at it earlier, like, I was trying to do some math, like, it's less than... Basically, one half of one percent of like Americans that have OI, like it's, it's somewhere a, between twenty five thousand and fifty thousand of all in America, which is a wide. You know, like you think they could pare that down a little bit? Well, like, and I'm thinking it's probably an even smaller category for type threes, because I mean, in that spectrum, they also count type twos, type ones, well, it's all and type fours. Right. Because me and you were born, there was only four types. Right. Now there's all the way... And all, I think there's like 16 now. Is there 16? Yeah, it's it's all... I know the last I've looked up to it, there was eight because of different genetic strains. Now, a lot of them were very similar. Right. And like symptoms and things. Right. But, and now know. there's like recessive and dominant and I don't know. They tried to explain yeah. it to me and I'm just like, okay, I know I'm type three. That's really all I High need to biology, know. biology, you know, yeah. Right. I'm like, I just <laughs> need to know type three. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, what's also interesting is nobody else in our family has it, because it's normally genetic. Right. No, we're the quote-unquote spontaneous mutations. I'm <laughs> like, wait, I get to be a part of the the, the mutants? <laughs> okay, yes. We're the X-Men. We're the X-Men. 
Can you tell me where that school is, though? <laughs> yeah, uh, it, 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 it's super weird. Like, you know, you go to doctors and they're like, so who else in your family has it? Nobody, and they do not understand sometimes what it is to break that much. I kind of wish as a child, you know, like, we would have kept count of, like, stuff. Because, you know, like, surgeries and bones and things, like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know, I'm not even My close. family quit counting the bone fractures and breaks at, like, 100, and that was when I was, like, yeah. 5. And, like, it always blows people away when they're like, when did you have your last surgery? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I do know that one. I, I do know that one only uh, because it was on my birthday. Oh, bummer. And so I'm like, it was when I was 11 on my birthday. They're like, you had a surgery on your birthday? Oh, that's nothing new. It's okay. Yeah, oh, it's usually most severe in type 3 we mentioned. Yeah. Which is, you know... Well, type movie, 2 um, is yeah. most severe. Oh, oh, yeah, type 2. Why'd you make me... Yeah. Type 3 is usually the most severe for children. Right. And as you get older, it tends to get well, some Well, type better. 2 typically doesn't you make typically it. Make, you typically don't make it out of mm -hmm. childhood. Because, see, when yeah. I was little, I was originally diagnosed 2. And then they changed it because I made it past a year. And they're like, okay, you're type 3 now. Did they not do any genetic testing? Mm -mm. That's why they did for me. You had actual genetic. Uh, I had genetic testing. I didn't, I see? Born. I have a little scar on my leg where they took a piece I of skin. I have... And we seen the same genetics doctor, didn't we? Dr. Tiller is who I've seen. I don't... Do you think I remember that? <laughs> I only do because I actually liked him. Yeah. You think I, I, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, I had Which now is just a blood test. Take a blood test from a child. And... Well, I was told, actually, there's two different testings. They still do the skin test if the blood test came back negative, but they think yeah. that the kid has a lie, so they can still do the skin test, too. But I'm like, why wasn't the blood one an option when we were little? Yeah. Well, you know, in fairness, some of the symptoms are pretty obvious. If the whites of your eyes are blue, that typically, you know, the, like sclera. Right. That's called. That's typically. That, that's not going to be. I don't think that's a symptom of usually anything else. Well, and then you know, the like, bowing of bones. Yeah, the bowing of your arms. Right. Because yeah, yeah, your arms and your legs are typically bowed from where you're cross-armed in the womb. And let's be honest, the big head, whenever you're little bitty, yeah. tends to be a thing, too. <laughs> like. When did you first realize... That you were different, that you were not like everybody. I, I, I know that's hard because you live with it your entire life, just like I have. No, actually, I remember because me and Dad were talking about this recently. It was, I don't know, I was probably middle school age. Because, I mean, we grew up in a small town, and so <laughs> no one really treated us that much different. Other than teachers would yell at me because I was missing so much school. But, I mean, as far as our friends, they were around us from the time we were itty-bitty. And so, I remember when I was in middle school, I was still small enough that I could fit in the front of, like, the buggies. And so, I was riding around with my dad at, I don't remember where it was, at one of the stores, and this group of cheerleaders comes up to me. And, you know, they're maybe five, six years older than me. That's it. And they're like, oh, look at the baby. I'm like, no, no, just... And that was, like, the one time it, like, finally clicked with me. I'm like... Oh, it's because I'm so small. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I had a little girl ask me recently what grade I was in. That was funny. Cause I was, I'm I, grown. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really good time. There, I was, you know, being polite. She was, I think, 11 or 12. Right. I said, you're like, oh, you're like, what's your name? You're like, what grade are you in? And she says, oh, I'm in, you know, fifth grade or whatever. You know, what grade are you in? And I thought that was just the funniest thing. And I, I love those. I love those kids though. They aren't afraid to ask questions. Though. Oh yeah, like I, I it did not affect me at all. I, right. I, I instantly started laughing because I, you know, well, you know, like 
it probably should bother me, but it doesn't. I, I thought we're you know, so this, immune to those kind of yeah, comments. Like, yeah, like, and like if it was an adult, maybe. But you know, she didn't know any better. She was just being polite as I was. Right. So I thought that's, those are always that. The, <laughs> that was a good day. Yeah. What grade are you in, Jacob? I'm in college. I'm grown. Yeah, I'm a grown human. I'm I just grown. finished cutting your steak for you. Yeah. Right, I'm grown. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what was that like in grade school? You know, you you missed quite a bit more school than I did. But you know. grade school honestly wasn't that hard, other than you know the teachers were the worst because they would complain, Justin, you missed too much school. You need to make up this work or that work. And um, I remember one year in particular, I missed so much because it was the year that I had, like, a spica surgery where I had to be in a spica cast. And the school was giving my parents such a hard time. And so my mom actually pulled me out of school, did homeschooling for two to three months until they would actually listen to the doctor's orders that I had to be out, like, for all these illnesses. Because they were threatening to take my parents to court over truancy and all this. And so she pulled me out until they were finally able to recognize, oh, she does have multiple doctor's notes. She has to be out all of these times. And then as I got older, it got even harder. Like, middle school wasn't as bad. I was typically, you know, there for most of it. I hated it, but... Who doesn't hate middle school? No one. Middle school's the worst time to be alive. I feel like it is. Like, everyone complains about high school. High school is not that bad for me. But middle school, it was terrible. Yeah, high school typically gets better. You know, like, I have a younger sister. I remember telling her that, like, you just have to make it through middle school. I have to make it through. I know it sucks. I know this is the worst time that is to be alive. But yeah. I promise you, if you get through this, it gets better. My little brother wanted to be pulled out and homeschooled. He hated middle school so much. Oh, middle school's the worst. The middle so, school's the worst. That's what I told him. I'm like, everyone hates it. Yeah. And then high school, I ended up with a femur fracture freshman year, I want to say. And so they actually put me on homebound, which is where... The teacher comes out to the house, I think it's like twice a week for so many yeah, two hours. Or three times a week. Yeah. Like and I actually learned that I do better at that kind of schooling than I did in like typical. Because it's more one on one. Right. And so. My problem with that always, because I had to do that a few times, my problem was every teacher they would always send for homebound was not. I'm, I, was They're, not that trained right. in what they were teaching. That's that's a, well, those are the words I want to use. My freshman year <laughs> was terrible because I got one of those teachers. She was always like, "Well, just look it up in your book, okay?" But it's not in my book. I've looked, yeah, you know, like, and she's like, "Well, I don't teach that grade. I can't tell you how to do it." Yeah. Well, why did they send you then? Yeah. But then, like the next, especially in high school, when the math becomes made up, right. so you know, like, like this no math making this does... up, it's not yeah. real. Yeah, you're like this math doesn't make any sense. Like you have to help me, because, you know. <laughs> it does not make any sense. But sophomore, because then I ended up doing homebound throughout the rest of high school. I was barely there, honestly, and um, the rest of the times they sent a different teacher because I complained to the superintendent how they needed another teacher because that was the only one they had for homebound homebound schools at all and so they sent a different one and after that i was like okay cool i'm just gonna stay on this because i like it better yeah so basically it was public homeschooling basically (laughs) yeah it was public homeschooling and in my part i get infections all the time like i pick up anything that was going around the school so i was out for illness all the time if i didn't do the homebound so i went up there maybe (laughs) 
I don't know, a handful of times, especially my senior year, because most of our classes senior year are elective classes. Oh, yeah, like my senior year of high school, I did very little to nothing. Right, I had like <laughs> maybe one to two main classes. I had English at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Well, see, I always got the main courses out of the way at the start of the day, mm-hmm. and so the rest of the day, I had nothing other than electives, which was yearbook and journalism and, you know, these classes that I knew the teachers well, mm-hmm. and they would just send my work home. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, why didn't we do this years ago? It would have yeah. made more sense for someone who gets every germ, because parents don't know to keep their kids at home when they yeah. need to. But then there's also comes the social side that they claim you need, you know, visiting people. Social skills are important. I, they, they are. I'm not that good at social skills either. <laughs> well, my thing is you do most of the socialization when you're in, like, middle school and yeah. elementary and yeah, stuff. Yeah, especially in elementary. And, like, in your younger age, that's where all those Right, that's where you develop those. Yeah. And so by the time I got in high school, I'm like, why do I need this? Well, I think it's important to be able to, com- to communicate with people that are your your same age. Right. Because I don't super well. You know, like most of my friends are, you know, 30 years older than I am. And it's super weird, but teenage problems don't really, well, I, I, but, I, I don't find that very comparative to my well, life. I don't remember what year it was. All I remember is it was Mr. Veer, who we got twice throughout our years. And so um, I remember one year he told me, he was like, Destiny, you know you mature faster than the rest of your peers. It just comes along with it. He's like, but you've got to figure out how to fit in and do things the normal way. I'm like, yeah, that that don't work for me. Whenever you sit at Vanderbilt for hours with cancer kids and you see them, you know, not make it, you realize the petty drama of high school isn't as important. Let's jump in on that for a second. I remember being... You know, like, because me and you, we both got our, uh, they're generically called bisphosphonates. Right. They they also come to astronauts, which is cool. But it's basically to create bone. It's basically either an infusion or take it as a pill. Right. And it creates bone. And the hospital we both received it at was the same place that they would give chemo patients. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, children with cancer, or they would get blood transfusions there. And it, I, I remember writing a paper, well not a paper, a, uh, an article for the high school newspaper mm-hmm. about that. Because I remember hearing a girl whine about not having a boyfriend. I was just, you know, and I remember just getting just so irate about that that I put it down into words on paper. That I was just like, that that is such a non-problem. Like, yes, what are you whining about? That is such a small problem. In yeah, the like I knew a guy that things. was your exact age who wasn't sure if he was going to make it. You well, know, and the you know, truth who, is, a lot of them don't. Who was planning his next birthday because it may have been his last. Right. And just, like, that's that's not a problem. You Those know? girls that freak out over prom, and I'm like, really? Do you know how many kids don't even get a prom? You know, I, I think or it, some of them that pass away right before prom? It gives you perspective. It absolutely right. does. It, it, it's a, a very... very Going through that, it was a very humbling thing. I think that there's there's no there's no other way to take that. It's mm-hmm. it's so heartbreaking. That's what I tell my little brother. I'm like, all of your friends just need to go sit on the chemo floor for like a week. I I, I mean, as awful as that sounds, I've thought that way sometimes. Like, if we could just get some people to go sit there for an like, hour, go volunteer like, at a local hospital. You know, uh, yeah, like you you could come away with a very changed perspective that you, you know. Makes your problems about whining, not having a boyfriend, <laughs> you know, or girlfriend for that matter, just just nothing. Just, just you know, whatever. 
me and you both, we're basically many gadgets to get through our everyday life in some way. What kind of gadgets do you use? <laughs> so I have my wheelchair. That's my main gadget. You know, it goes everywhere with me. Um, now that my lungs are getting worse as I get older, I now have a portable nebulizer machine that I can take with me anywhere and do my treatments on the go. Because before, I would have to figure out, okay, I did this treatment at this time. I have to be home by this time to do another treatment. And it just got so tiring. And finally, I went to my pulmonologist. And I'm like, can you please give me a treatment machine that goes with me? That would be lovely. And now I have a um, TENS unit for pain that I stick on me and it shocks me. Which is a new experience in itself. Um, now, I know a cure for your pain. We're going to cause you more pain. We're going to shock you. <laughs> well, the cool thing I is mean, I have one of the newer ones. And it's not really a shock. It's more like a vibration. Like, of course, as you get higher up in the levels of the TENS unit, yeah. it does feel more like a shock. But the lower levels, it's more like a vibration to help your muscles relax in that area. So it's not as bad. Um, uh, then I have, like, this cool new thermometer that, like, connects to my phone. Like, I like nerdy medical equipment that makes my life easier. Yeah, so you can chart your, you know, your temperature over time then. Right, yeah. Yeah. I can take it with me because, honestly, I've gotten a Vanderbilt. And I also have um, one of the pulse ox machines for my finger that I can take with me. And that's actually came in handy because Vanderbilt's one day was broke. <laughs> like, they dropped it on the ground and the whole screen shattered. And, of course, they have the big ones, but it, like, rolls around. And I'm like, it's okay. I'll just check it. Yeah. I have my own. Yeah. Yeah, I do use a push wheelchair right now. Hopefully, I'll upgrade to the smart job, which is a power assist on the back of the chair that's hopefully in the works make yeah. life easier make life easier to get around yes. it's a smaller chair you can get into more tight spaces i can get into more trouble yay <laughs> what do you think is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome the whole school thing was a big challenge for me because the school system gave me such a hard time about missing so much and so I think that was a big challenge, because even my teachers kept telling me, you're not going to pass, you're not going to graduate. Just because I knew that I was, like, a bad student. Mm -hmm. I hated doing work and all that. And um, it wasn't that I hated doing work. I hated the curriculum that they forced you to take. And so they always said, oh, you're not going to pass. And then when I graduated, I was like, ha-ha, see, I told you so. I graduated. And now I'm in college, which was another big thing was deciding if I was actually going to go to a college or what I finally decided was online schooling. Just for me, it seemed like a better option. And I'm about to graduate that too. So Where are you getting your degree in? It's actually wedding planning. It's a very strange major, but so that like, I chose. This is how you arrange flowers. You Pretty know. much, you know. <laughs> how you deal with the bradzillas on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, you were talking about your education, you know, especially before the 90s, it wasn't super common for people with disabilities to go to school. No. So it's a really an amazing time that we were, that we grew up and were able to go to school. Mm-hmm. Which is, but I mean, is, it still wasn't as accommodating as what I think it could have been. Oh, it's far from perfect. You know, our education system is in the dumps. Right. But, uh, you know, you know, not to be putting it kindly. I think that opportunity at all is amazing. Right. Well, you I know. mean, and then we were the kids that pushed them to get family an elevator at like our local high school. Hall, high school. I mean, mm-hmm. they hadn't even yeah. considered it, really. They just said that 
Oh, here's this weird lift thing that's gonna break down every other day. That lift was fun. That lift I always enjoyed when it broke, so I had to go to class. <laughs> I know. I spent so many days down in the library because yeah. it was broke. Yeah, schooling it was it's hard, but it was an amazing opportunity that we It was a you mix know, get of, to get that. It was a know. mix of either you liked it or you hated it and some days it was both. <laughs> I'd say it was a mix of between it just being okay and you hating it. <laughs> right. I never, you know, like... I never really liked it, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, the public, it definitely needs work. It's an opportunity that... We survived you know, five, it. ten years earlier we wouldn't have gotten. We survived it, that's the main point. Who inspires you? I have a whole range of people that kind of inspire me to push me to do things. And a lot of times people are surprised because my list of people that inspire me aren't necessarily wheelchair-bound people. They're... How many you know. wheelchair-bound people are, you know, that famous, you know, like, are, are, are well-known anyway? Right, not that many, but, I mean, you know, there are some. There's, like, yeah, absolutely. Chelsea Hill, who did the Push Girls a couple years ago. She's awesome to look up to. Um, Stephen Hawking, of course. Yeah. Right, Stephen Hawking, you know. People but, tell uh, me every year for Halloween I should be Stephen Hawking. I'm like, you know how, like, kind of offensive that is. You're like, I don't take it that way. But I'm like, you know, anyway, you know, like, yeah, Jake, like, if you should dress up as the only other guy in a wheelchair that we know of, and, you know, he can't move. And he can't move! <laughs> yeah, you know, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. But most of mine is, like, actual, you know, everyday people. There's John Belzer who did Songs of Love. Um, Carl Locko, he was also with Songs of Love. And there's, like... My military friends that I have, you know, they're huge, and, um, you know, it's weird, because even my little brother, he's kind of, you know, he's the kid that knew from, like, age fourth grade up what he wanted to do in life, and he's kind of always stuck with it, even when people told him he's crazy. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. (laughs) Then there's, like, so many others that I'm probably forgetting, you know, Amber LaFleur, who did photography. I feel like you're doing an Oscars acceptance speech. I would Lovely. like to say, I would Lovely. like to thank you know Amber thinking? and my brother and my family. And no, it's okay. I'm sorry. I just like this is how we go. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there's not very many in wheelchairs that we have to look up quote to. unquote look up to. Like that's famous. There aren't that many success stories. No. You would say. that are in public eye that Absolutely. much. I mean, there's definitely ones that we know in private lives that are in wheelchairs and do great things but as far as public wise you know there's not that many yeah you know you well, don't see the, many people in a you know like in movies in wheelchairs or even characters portrayed in wheelchairs you know well that's the thing is that whenever they have movies that are about people in wheelchairs they're not actually people in wheelchairs they're usually perfectly fine actors. right average humans that normally don't have anything wrong you know the new movie um me before you where it has the guy that's a quadriplegic. He's a normal, average human in everyday life. And my thing is, there's so many awesome people in wheelchairs. Why can't they cast some actual, you know, wheelchair people? You know, you even look at, like, you know, the Netflix movie Fundamentals of Caring. It's a really great movie. I loved it to death. But, you know, that character, or the... <laughs> Or that actor is right. able-bodied. There's the TV show Legit, which has a paralyzed character. He's perfectly able-bodied. Well, and then able-bodied. there's a couple that play normal people, and then they have OI, and people don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, the show The Middle has Atticus Ruck. Atticus, I don't remember his last name, something. And he has OI. He plays the little boy on it. He has OI, and most people don't know that unless they actually like look him up. 
Well, it, it's it's very difficult even for just dwarfs. If you're short, you know, you're playing an elf. You're playing an elf. You know, or you know, Snow like White the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah, or, you yeah know. you're. There aren't many job opportunities for those things, and there are reasons why they don't cast people who actually have disabilities. Well, a lot of it is... I'm not saying that they're good reasons, I'm just saying... Well, a lot of it is our health comes into play. Well, health, you may not be able to work as many hours a day. Right. It may be just be more difficult to shoot because, you know, you're in a wheelchair and they're going to have... You work know, around it instead of... I'm not saying those are good excuses, I'm just saying... Right. That the, but those are reasons. I don't think they're... I don't think they're... I, I think there's nothing to to deter necessarily. I think you should be. I think they could work around it if they mm-hmm. chose to. Yeah, but there it's are just, barriers in there. Right. You know? It just comes into play of what's easier and what they can make more money off of faster. Yeah. I mean, I'm not super handsome. They're not going to star me in a movie. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't star me in a movie. You know, I'm not going to bring in ticket sales. Just saying. Be glad I was on TV, and that stuff is legit the hardest thing ever. I don't want to be on TV. I don't because then everyone. I mean, it was fun. It was a fun experience, but it opens up the world to think yeah. they know your whole life. And not that I don't want to be on. T- it would have to be the right thing. Right. It would. Have, it would have to be the right project for me. Right. That's how this was. You know, I kind of thought about it, and I was like, "Well, the main thing is that one spread awareness for a lie." Mm-hmm. And how many times do we get that in life? Not many. Yeah, absolutely. Not many. You, you know, know. To be on a very large network, to you know. Right, it was TLC. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pretty large network in itself. And so, whenever they... Well, we were in contact back and forth. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it's a 45-minute show. Yeah. But it was recorded over, like, like a, week a week and a half, half. And then was condensed down. But I'm like, it can't be that bad. Just 45 minutes. And then I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. My when you're waking up at 6 a.m. every morning, you know, to go film, yeah. Oh, jeez, that was so bad. It wasn't 6 for us. It was normally, like, 7.30, because I told them. I'm like, I'm not a morning people, y'all. I'm just not. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, but you're going to have to get up in the morning. Okay, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And But, I mean, it was early, and then we worked until about 5.36 every night. Mm-hmm. And for someone that has severe scoliosis... That's a long day. Yeah. yeah. That would definitely be a long day for me. Right. I'm like, that's a long day, and all of it was, you know, setting up in my chair. And I'm like, okay, my back hurts now. Can I go lay down? <laughs> I've ruined my spine. Can I go to bed? Yep. I've ruined my spine for the day. Can I just go to bed? And then at one point, we had to kind of change plans because when we went from Ohio to Chicago, my lungs just hated me. And so one day I just had to go back to the hotel room and do a treatment because it was before I got a portable nebulizer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just can't breathe. I've got to go do a treatment. And so that would definitely come into play when filming something. If you could do any job, if money, if ability, if education. For years I always said, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a Spanish teacher. Well, I got into high school and I learned I hated Spanish. I hated learning it. <laughs> but I think my dream job would have been... Um, some kind of nurse you know because we're around it so much and so I'm like that's what I wanted to do and then I'm like but how would that work I'm too little how do you think people see you I don't know you know it's one of those things where everyone in life hopes they see you for your personality and not their chair but let's be real in our society they see the chair okay they see the little person in the chair 
and they kind of assume that you can't do anything. But hope, Or that you're not as smart. Right, that you're not smart, that you're not intellectually all there, or you have something completely different than what you have. I, I know my friends personally know that that's not the case, but as far as, like, strangers go, you know, we get the comments all the time. Oh, look at the little person, look at the baby, or, you know, the person in the wheelchair. But for me, I'm not offended by that. You know, the chair is there. The ch- you know, that's how you describe someone, you know. My chair is neon green, so most of the time that's what people tell me. Look at that green chair. I'm like, yeah, it's green. Um, my thing is, whenever people stare forever, like we're some kind of monster or something, I'm like, really? How hard is it to come over and say something? I would rather people, like, actually know why I'm in the chair. Be curious. Ask questions. Right. Learn. Educate yourself. But, you know, I think little kids are more prone to actually asking questions than adults. How do you wish people would see you? (laughs) How do I wish people would see me for my personality? You know, the things that I do, you know, becoming a wedding planner and not for the chair, not for being the smallest person. So that that's a big thing. I don't know. It's one of those things that I've gotten so used to being known as the girl in the wheelchair. I'm like, whatever. It doesn't even hurt anymore. <laughs> it grows to define you. Right. I'm like, it does, but it doesn't because I'm one of those people that I'm like, it's my chair. It's how I get around. And that's kind of that. And, you know, then there's also this other side of me that's crafty, does crafting all the time, does school and all this stuff, and, you know, it's hard to know that from just, like, looking at someone. Mm -hmm. And so it would be cool if people actually took the time to know that. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say at the pearly gates? I would love to hear him say that I don't need the chair anymore. Being on this earth and being in the chair for so long, it would be nice to be like, oh, you don't need it anymore. That's the one question I get all the time is, if there was ever a cure, would you take it? And that's one of those things on this earth, probably not, because I've gotten so used to it. But in heaven, the belief that I was raised was, whenever you go to heaven, God cures whatever's wrong with you. And so I'm like, okay, that means I don't have to have this chair anymore? Great, lovely, thanks. Thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of the Ability Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give it a rating and review on iTunes and share it with your friends. It was quite the labor of love. A very special thank you to our first guest, Destiny Dyer, and you can follow her on Twitter at the Destiny Dyer. You can follow myself on Twitter at the Jacob Holt, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Ability Podcast. If you would like to send me an email, you can at abilitypodcast at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope to do this again soon. See you next time.